This is the New Life Rancho Vista podcast. We are a church committed to loving God, growing together, and serving others. Our prayer and desire is that this message from our campus pastor, Peter Moore, will be a help and an encouragement to you, regardless of where you are in your relationship with Jesus. So let's open our hearts and minds as we turn our attention to the incredible truths God has for us today. Thank you, Pastor. And it is a joy to see you tonight. And when he was talking about those long revival meetings, it reminded me my father was saved in 1930 in a six-week revival. And uh, they had services every night, including Saturday night. And my grandfather, who was a farmer, and uh, of course, busy, I'm sure, but he took his family every night to those meetings. And I'm so glad he did, because if he would have missed the night my dad got saved, that would have been unfortunate for sure. And uh, so I'm thankful for that. And uh, so I want to commend you for being in church on Saturday night. It's kind of unusual uh, to be in God's house on a Saturday night, but uh, we can meet with God anytime, can't we? And he certainly can bless on a Saturday night. Uh, We used to say when I first started holding revivals, we'd hold them from Monday to Sunday night, but we'd always skip Saturday night, kind of let people rest a little bit, because we figured Saturday night was the devil's night. You know, and uh, I don't know why we thought that. We just kind of gave the devil Saturday night. You know, go ahead and take it, and uh, we'll pick it up again tomorrow. But uh, uh, I'm glad you didn't give the devil tonight, and uh, you're here, and I'm sure that uh, what we'll enjoy in fellowship and in the singing and in the preaching will be better than anything on TV anyway. So uh, glad you're here and appreciate the opportunity to spend this time with you. Take your Bible if you have it, and let's go to the book of Isaiah. And chapter 40, Isaiah chapter 40. I'm going to read a couple verses here, starting with verse 6, and then keep your Bible handy, because this entire chapter is one of my favorites, and there's some tremendous verses in here uh, that we want to look at tonight. Isaiah chapter 40, let's start with verse 6, and we'll go down to verse 9. The Bible says, The voice said, Cry. And he said, what shall I cry? All flesh is grass, and all the goodliness thereof is as the flower of the field. The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, because the Spirit of the Lord bloweth upon it. Surely the people is grass. The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the word of our God shall stand forever. O Zion, that bringest good tidings, get thee up into the high mountain. O Jerusalem, that bringest good tidings, lift up thy voice with strength. Lift it up. Be not afraid. Say unto the cities of Judah, Behold your God. Behold your God. When I was 10 years old, I was riding in our automobile. As my dad was driving, my mom was in the front seat, my sister and I in the back. We were driving down Main Street of Watertown, Wisconsin, and we were sitting at a stop-and-go light. It was red, and we were waiting for it to turn green so we could move on. There was a car directly in front of us, and I remember from my place in that back seat behind my dad, I noticed on the back of the car in front of us a bumper sticker. It is forever etched in my mind. It was an ugly green bumper sticker, with black letters, and had three words. God is dead. 
God is dead. And from that day on, through all of my teen years, I don't know that there was a single day that I didn't see that bumper sticker on somebody's car. It seemed like through those 1960s, that philosophy began to permeate the United States of America. God is dead. I learned later that that philosophy came from a German man named Friedrich Nietzsche. Friedrich Nietzsche was the chief counselor to Adolf Hitler during World War II. And Mr. Nietzsche believed that God had died. And when God died, all absolutes died, all morality died, all ethics died with him. And we see that philosophy kind of still permeating our culture today, don't we? It seems like the name God and Jesus Christ are still pretty popular curse words, but we're not allowed to say him in the public forum. We're not allowed to talk about him in the marketplace or in the schools or in the halls of government. It seems to be politically incorrect in many places to talk about God or Jesus Christ. But lest we go to seed on all of that, how alive is God in your life? Did you talk to him this week? Did you let him talk to you? Did you sense his presence? Did you speak about him to anybody else? How alive is God in our life? If I gave you a writing instrument and a piece of paper and I asked you to write down tonight a definition of God, how would you define him? How would you define God? Now, when you get that done, ask yourself this question. Does God believe in my God? Because you know this as well as I do. If you, if you go on the streets of Palmdale tonight or any city in America and you were just to randomly ask people, who is God? You'd get a variety of answers, wouldn't you? There's a lot of opinions about who God is or what God is or what God represents. There are just a vast amount of definitions. And I think the reason we've gotten away from a true definition of God is because we've gotten away from this book. Isaiah said in chapter 8 and verse 20, to the law and to the testimony, if they speak not according to this word, it is because there's no light in them. In other words, if we don't get spiritual answers to our spiritual questions from the Bible, we don't have the right answer. Jeremiah said in chapter 8 and verse 9, the, the wise men are dismayed, they are, they are dismayed and taken. Lo, they've rejected the word of the Lord and what wisdom is in them. You see, we can profess ourselves to be wise, but God says we can become fools. Why? You do err not knowing the scriptures nor the power of God. Now, Isaiah chapter 40 gives us a wonderful description and definition of God. And I want to look at it tonight because it has three components in this chapter. First of all, notice God is above all. Now get ready to look a little bit in your Bible. Look at verse 12. I'm going to read some verses here, and I'll read them quickly because they speak for themselves. But look at verse number 12. Who hath measured the waters in the hollow of his hand, 
and meted out heaven with a span, and comprehended the dust of the earth in a measure, and weighed the mountains in scales and the hills in a balance? Who hath directed the spirit of the Lord, or being his counselor hath taught him? With whom took he counsel, and who instructed him, and taught him in the path of judgment, and taught him knowledge, and showed him the way of understanding? Behold, the nations are as a drop of a bucket, and are counted as the small dust of the balance. Behold, he taketh up the isles as a very little thing, and Lebanon is not sufficient to burn, nor the beast thereof sufficient for a burnt offering. All nations before him are as nothing. They are counted him less than nothing in vanity. To whom then will you liken God, or what likeness will you compare unto him? The workman melteth a graven image, and the goldsmith spreadeth over with gold, and casteth silver chains. He that is so impoverished that he hath no oblation chooseth a tree that will not rot. He seeketh in him a cunning workman that, to prepare a graven image that shall not be moved. Have ye not known? Have ye not heard? Have they not been told you from the beginning? Have ye not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is he that sitteth upon the circle of the earth, and the inhabitants thereof are as grasshoppers that stretcheth out the heavens as a curtain, and spreadeth them out as a tent to dwell in, that bringeth the princes to nothing. He maketh the judges of the earth as vanity. Yea, they shall not be planted. Yea, they shall not be sown. Yea, their stock shall not take root in the earth, and he shall also blow upon them, and they shall wither, and the whirlwind shall take them away as stubble. To whom then will you liken me? Or shall I be equal, saith the Holy One? Lift up your eyes on high, and behold, who hath created these things, that bringeth out their hosts by number. He calleth them all by names, by the greatness of his might, for that he is strong in power, not one faileth. God is above all. He created everything we see. If we were to use something in this universe to try to describe or define God, we have to realize that whatever we choose to use to, to represent God, He created it in six 24-hour days. Exodus 20 and verse 11, For in six days the Lord God made the heavens and the earth. When God wanted light, He just said, Let there be light. And there was light. By His very word, He spoke everything into existence. Job chapter 9 and verse 1, I know it is so of a truth, but how can a man be just with God? If he contend with him, he cannot answer him one in a thousand. Who hath hardened himself against him and hath prospered? Which removeth the mountains and they know not, which overturneth them in his anger, which shaketh the earth out of her place, and the pillars thereof tremble, which calleth Arcturus and Orion and Pleiades, and the chambers of the south, which doeth great things past finding out, yea, and wonders without number. Job said in chapter 12 and verse 7, Ask now the beasts, and they'll tell thee. Speak to the earth, it'll teach thee. The fishes of the sea shall declare unto thee, Yea, who knoweth not that in all these the hand of the Lord hath wrought this, in whose hand and is the soul of every living thing and the breath of all mankind. Hannah began to pray in 1 Samuel chapter 2 and verse 2, and she said, There's none holy as the Lord, for there's none beside thee. Neither is there any rock like our God. Talk no more so exceeding proudly. Let not arrogancy go out of your mouth, for the Lord is a God of knowledge, and by him are actions weighed. The bows of the mighty are broken. They that stumbled are girded with strength. They that were full have hired out themselves for bread, and they that were hungry ceased. 
For the barren is born seven, and she that hath many children is waxed feeble. For the Lord killeth and maketh alive. He bringeth down to the grave and bringeth up again. The Lord maketh poor and maketh rich. He bringeth low and lifteth up. He raiseth up the poor out of the dust and lifteth up the beggar out of the dunghill to set them among princes that they may inherit the throne of glory. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's. He has set the worlds upon them. The adversaries of the Lord shall be broken to pieces. Out of heaven shall he thunder upon them until they be destroyed. For by strength shall no man prevail. You see, God is above all. Our solar system that we live in is six billion miles across. The Milky Way, which is the galaxy that we live in, no one knows where it got that name, Milky Way, I think was when the cow jumped over the moon, but anyway... (laughs) I'm told by scientists that if you, if you could step back in space and look at the Milky Way from a distance, it would look like a giant bowl or a giant dish. And they tell us that if you could get on one end of this galaxy called the Milky Way and travel at the speed of light, which is 186,282 miles per second, that's moving, <laughs> If you could travel at the speed of light, 186,282 miles per second, it would take you 100,000 years to cross this galaxy called the Milky Way. And we now believe there are 100 billion galaxies like ours. 40 sextillion solar systems. Our earth is 25,000 miles in circumference. It's 25,000 miles around this planet. The sun is 1,300,000 times bigger than the earth. The next nearest star to us after the sun is 26 trillion miles away. The supernova recently discovered has 10 septillion. We're getting into the big numbers now. That's a 10 with 24 zeros after it. The supernova has 10 septillion times more energy in it than the hydrogen bomb. You see why David walked out one night and he said, The heavens declare the glory of God. The firmament showeth his handiwork. Day unto day uttereth speech. Night unto night showeth knowledge. There's no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Their lines go out to the ends of the earth. Their words to the ends of the world. Oh, listen, God is above all. Did you see what he said about the nations? Look back at verse 15. He said, Behold, the nations are as a drop of a bucket and are counted as the small dust of the balance. In in Old Testament times, even New Testament for that matter, they, they would weigh things in a balanced scale. You've, you've seen them. It's, it's a symbol of our judicial system in the United States. Kind of a post in the middle, the two arms, and then the chains and the little plates. And that's how they would weigh things in Bible days. Um, if you went into a store and you wanted, say, a pound of flour, the merchant would take a one-pound weight, a 16-ounce weight, and he would put it on one side of that scale. By the way, God talks about divers' weights are an abomination unto the Lord. In other words, some merchants were crooked. 
And when you came in, they didn't like you, and they, you said, I'd like a pound of flour. They I don't like you, so I'm going to only sell you 15 ounces. So they'd reach down, they'd get a 15-ounce weight, and they'd put it on that side. You thought you were getting a pound, but they were cheating you. God said, that's an abomination. God doesn't like people that rip people off, Okay. So they would use these weights on one side, and then they would put the flour on the other side, and when the scale was balanced, you had a perfect weight. A a, a merchant who was honest, because there were these merchants that were crooked, an honest merchant, before he'd put anything in those plates, he would take out a little cloth, and he would wipe the dust off the scale on both sides. Before he put a weight on, before he put flour, he'd, he'd wipe the... Now, now, dust doesn't weigh anything. But it was symbolic of him being honest. He was saying, I'm, I, I'm, I'm being honest to you. So he'd wipe that dust off before he'd put a weight on or before he'd put the flour in. God says, the nations before me are like the dust of the balance. As you look, look at verse 17. He says, all nations before him are as nothing... They're counting him less than nothing in vanity. God says, take that same scale, okay, and over here on this side, put all the nations of the world. Put all the superpowers over there, the United States and Russia and China, all these superpower nations with all their military muscle and all their resources and all their technology, and then add in the medium-sized nations and the little bitty nations, take them all, put them all over here on this side of the scale, and then put me, God says, over here on the other side, And compared to me, they're below zero. Less than nothing. So where does that put me? Well, remember verse 22? The inhabitants thereof are as grasshoppers. You know what? The bigger we think we are, the smaller God gets. But when we see how big God is, we realize how small we really are. God is above all. Great is the Lord, greatly to be praised in the city of our God, in the mountain of His holiness, beautiful for situation. The joy of the whole earth is Mount Zion in the sides of the north, the city of the great King. He's the great God. He's the living God. He's an everlasting King. He's above all. But I want you to see secondly, He's aware of all. Now, I don't know about you, but When I start thinking about God and how big and how great and how powerful and magnificent He is, my thought is, well, He doesn't care about me. I mean, if the nations are less than nothing, He he doesn't care about my hurt. He he doesn't care that, that, that I have some burdens. He doesn't care about my aches and pains physically. He doesn't care about my emotional struggle. He doesn't care whether I go to church or not, or whether I prayed today or not, or whether I have sin in my life. I mean, there are 8 billion people on the planet. He doesn't care about me. But we're wrong. Because look at verse 27. Why sayest thou, O Jacob, and speakest, O Israel, my way is hid from the Lord? And my judgment is passed over from my God. Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary. There's no searching of his understanding. 
God is aware of all. You know, when you think about the the creation, I, I love thinking about creation. I love learning new facts about the creation and the universe and all these different things. It, it just makes God more powerful to me. And when you think about God, you, you love thinking about those big things, those big numbers and all that stuff that God can do. But when you think about creation, you also have to think about the details of it. The atom is that which makes up matter. Now, an atom, I'm told, is so small, you can't even see it under a microscope. In fact, I'm told that if you take 100,000 atoms and you line them up in a single file line next to each other, the distance of 100,000 atoms will cross the width of a human hair. Yet inside each one of those tiny little minute atoms is at least a proton, a neutron, and an electron. Guess who put them there? God did details. Whenever you see our earth, it's always tilted. You ever, you ever see a globe like in the library or teacher's office, they, they got a globe, and, it, and it's always tilted on its axis. You notice that? And, and that's a true picture of the way the world sits in space. It's, it, it's tilted on, it, on its axis. In fact, I'm told that if our earth was tilted just one degree, one direction, we'd all freeze to death. If it was tilted one degree the other direction, we'd all burn up. So our earth is tilted at this exact degree of angle in space so that life can inhabit this planet we call the earth. Now that globe at the, at the library or the school office or wherever you see one, it's on a stand. Right? There's a stand holding it there. You can go up and give it a spin and watch it twirl around. It's kind of fun. It's on a stand that's holding it that, at that degree of angle. But Job 26, 7 says, He stretcheth out the north over the empty place and hangeth the earth upon nothing. So it's kind of a weird thought tonight. Our earth is tilted at this exact degree of angle, never wavers, but it's hanging on nothing. And while you just thought, think about that for a minute, it's, it's tilted at an exact degree of angle, hanging on nothing, and it's spinning every 24 hours exactly once every 24 hours. And while you're thinking about the fact it's tilted on its axis, hanging on nothing, spinning every 24 hours, it's also revolving around the sun. Details. Did you know that not one bird in this entire world today died without God attending the funeral? Are not two sparrows sold for a farthing and one of them doth not fall to the ground without your heavenly Father, but even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. God doesn't just know how many hairs are in my head. He has them all numbered. Every hair on top of my head, every whisker hair, every eyebrow hair, every eyelash hair has a number with God. Detail. Your body has 208 bones. You have 600 muscles. Some of them you discovered when you put up your Christmas tree lights. About a month ago. We have 970 miles of blood vessels running through our body. That's like from here to Denver. Blood vessels taking nutrients and oxygen and water to the various tissues of your body to keep you healthy. We have 600 million air cells taking air into our lungs as we breathe. 
We have 10 million nerves in our body. That's why some of you have to drink coffee. That's why don't be too hard on the kids if they wiggle a little bit in church. They got 10 million nerves in there trying to get out. We have 10,000 hairs inside each one of our ears. Now, this should be an encouragement to some of you. you know, some of you look like your wife married for the waves. Now all that's left is the beach, but it's okay. You know? It's like one fellow said, this is, not a, this is not a bald spot. It's a solar panel. <laughs> yeah, maybe that'll work for you. But, but I'm told that if just one of those little hairs in my ear becomes damaged, my hearing's impaired. We have over 4,000 taste buds on our tongue so that we can discern between sweet and sour and bitter and so on. We have 3,500 sweat tubes for every square inch of skin on our body. Isn't that a great thought? I mean, if you're not married yet, keep, file that one away. Because when you go on your first date, it's awkward. There's these awkward periods of silence. You just you run out of things to say, and there's this silence, and it's really weird. So file that fact away, because in that awkward moment of silence, you can just look at whoever you're with and say, those are the most beautiful sweat tubes I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> now, the truth is, we don't like to think about stuff like that, but those sweat tubes allow our skin to be air-conditioned so that we can inhabit different temperatures and adjust to different environments of climate. We breathe in 4,200 gallons of air every day. Our heart beats 2,400 times every hour and pumps 12 tons of blood through our body every day. And you don't have to think about it. You don't get up in the morning and say, I gotta breathe, I gotta breathe, I gotta breathe 2,400 times. No, you, you just live, right? You just live until something goes wrong. Details. Details. And God created all that minute detail in your life in your body in this universe and you don't think god knows that you're hurting you, you don't think that god understands a sad emotion or a hurt you, you don't think that god sees a sinful thought i know the things that come into your mind every one of them he says Listen, we can, we can fake each other out. We can act like everything's fine, but, but God sees the heart. I try the reins, even to give every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings. God knows everything about us. We can't hide anything from him. When I was in high school, we, the teenagers had a special section in the church that we could sit in on Sunday night. The pastor liked the teens to sit together, and if our parents allowed us, we could sit in that section, and I, I always enjoyed doing that, sitting with my friends. There was a kid in our youth group, his name was Bob Gustafson. Bob was one of two people I've met in my life who could sleep with his eyes open. And Bob would, would sit in church on Sunday night, I'd sit next to him, and, and when the pastor got up to preach, he'd kinda, he'd kinda slouch back, He'd fold his arms like this and look right at the pastor. I know our pastor thought, that Bob Gustafson, he, lives, he listens better than anybody in this church. He, he never takes his eyes off me. I sat next to him. He was snorting. <laughs> now, now, you and I, we could fake each other out like that, but you know what? God knows everything about us. He knows every detail. Oh, God, thou knowest my foolishness. My secret sins are not hid from thee. 
If we've forgotten the name of our God or stretched out our hands to a strange God, will not God search this out? For he knoweth the secrets of the heart. Can any hide himself in secret places that I shall not see him? Do not I fill the heavens and the earth? God is aware of everything in our life. You can't hide it. God knows if you're saved or not. God knows if we're right with him or not. God knows if we're in a spirit of revival or if we're just kind of tagging along on the coattails of pastor. He knows our heart. That's why revival is such a refreshing time of letting God search our heart because he knows us already. And he can minister to those needs in our heart, those, those, those hurts in our life. He can, he can forgive that sin that's tucked away in the corner of our heart. He, he can help us in, to grow in those areas where we're struggling to grow. He's aware of all. But then I want you to see finally tonight, God's not only, not only above all, he's not only aware of all, but look at the last three verses. These are some of my favorites. God's able to do all. Look at verse 29. He giveth power to the faint, and to them that have no might, he increaseth strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. God is able to do all. In the book of Genesis, there's a man named Abraham. And Abraham, when he's 99 years old, his wife's 90, her name's Sarah. And God comes to them and he says, you're going to have a son. Now, up to that point, they didn't have any children. He said, you're going to have a son. <laughs> and Abraham and Sarah laughed. They said, God, we know you promised us a son, but it's too late. We're old. Genesis 18 there, it says, we're well stricken in age. In other words, they were beyond biologically the ability to have children. We're past the age of bearing children, Abraham said. So it was impossible. But verse 14, God comes back to them and says, is anything too hard for the Lord? And I love Genesis 21, verse 1. The Lord visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did unto Sarah as he had spoken, and Sarah conceived and bare Abraham a son at the set time of which God had spoken to him. See, with men it was impossible, but not with God. Because with God, all things are possible. In fact, God has kind of a a, a, a unique sense of humor. Abraham has a son at age 99. Isaac was his name, and Isaac lives to be 40, and Sarah dies, his mother dies, when Isaac is 40. And at that point, Genesis 24, Abraham realizes Isaac needs a wife. Because Isaac had an emotional hole in his heart at that point. When his mom died, he, he, he felt sad. There was a vacuum. There was a hole there in his life. And Abraham said, I know what can help that if I could find him a wife. So Genesis 24 is this amazing love story. And Abraham sends a servant to go find a wife for Isaac. And he brings back Rebecca. It's a great story, 67 long verses, but it, it's fun reading. And he brings Rebecca back, and I mean, it's love at first sight. When Isaac sees Rebecca, Rebecca sees Isaac, oh man. 
And so they're married. And the last verse, verse 67, says that the marriage is consummated and Isaac is comforted on the death of his mother. Okay, great chapter. So then we go to chapter 25. Now, remember, do some math here. Abraham's 99 when Isaac is born. Isaac is 40 when Sarah dies, so that would make Abraham 139, right? Chapter 25, Abraham gets remarried to Keturah and has six more kids. <laughs> I mean, at 99, they're laughing, saying, God, it's too late. We're too old. We're well-stricken in age. We're past the age of bearing children. God, you, you've lost it. But God said, no, no, there's nothing too hard for me. And God adds a little sense of humor there. Let me show you what I can do. See, God can do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. We doubt God. We think, oh, God can't answer that prayer. God can't save that person. God can't, can't give us a church building. I mean, we, we, we doubt God, don't we? But God says, no, no, no. I'm able to do all. Listen to me. If you're here tonight and you're not saved, you might think, I, I, I couldn't get saved. I, I, I couldn't live that Christian life. I couldn't be like pastor. I mean, I, I, I couldn't. I just couldn't do that. My father-in-law, when I met him, started dating my wife. My father-in-law was not saved. And we couldn't get him to come to church. And it wasn't because he was a bad person. He was a very, very moral man, a very hardworking man. But my father-in-law, he lived with us the last seven and a half years of his life here in Lancaster. He lived to be 95. My father-in-law never signed his name one time in his life. He never signed a check. You know why? Because he couldn't read or write. He lived 95 years and never learned to read or write. He only went to third grade. Depression years. At 16, he lied about his age, joined the army illegally, 16, ended up in World War II in the South Pacific, served our country and came back and got a job in a, in a foundry. He was a good man, a moral man, hard-working man, built his own house, little two-bedroom house, raised five kids in a two-bedroom house. Figure that out, I, I haven't. <laughs> but my father-in-law wouldn't go to church because he thought... I don't know the songs. I, I can't read the Bible when they read the Bible. I, I, don't, I don't know anything. And he thought, God doesn't want me. But you know what? God's not willing that any perish. But they all come to repentance. And I'm so glad that when my father-in-law was 62 years old, he trusted Christ as Savior. His wife sat on her deathbed two weeks before if my death will bring my husband to Christ, I'm ready to go. And two weeks later, he trusted Christ and lived over 30 years for the Lord and loved church. God can save you. you, you you're not too far gone. You're not, you're not too small for God to love and care for. Listen, 
he's able to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him. Seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for you. Do you know that if you're not saved tonight, God's praying right now for you to be saved? I mean, pastor might be praying, but God is praying. Think of that. Christian, listen to me. There, there's no sin that you can't have victory over. I, I know how we think. We think, it's just the way I am. I'm a worrywart. You know, I'm never going to get victory over worry. I worry about everything. I, I just can't control my thoughts. I can't control my lustful thoughts, some guy will say. I just, I, I'm just going to have to live with it. I, I can't get victory. I just have these fears. I, 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 don't, I don't know. I'm just, I'm afraid of so many. Listen, the Bible says there hath no temptation taken you but such as is common to man. But God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it. Listen, there, there is no excuse for us tonight to go out of here and say, well, I ju- I'm just destined to, to, to be backslidden in this area because I can't get it right. You can get it right. You can have revival in your heart. Listen, there's no step of obedience you can't take without God's help. Listen, God can help you to take that next step. I don't know what it is in your life, but I know what the Bible says. Faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. So I I just, I, I don't think I could tithe. Try God. He promises He'll make it happen. If God's telling you, you need to start giving, you know what? Give, and it shall be given unto you. Listen, if God's telling you, go witness to your neighbor, go tell him about the Lord, invite him to church. You say, Lord, I don't know, they're kind of weird, and I have to live next door to them, I don't, I don't. Hey, if God's telling you to do that, take that step. Because he will, where God guides, he provides for you. Whatever that next step is, I don't know what it is in your life. It's different for all of us. But whatever that is, take that step. God's not going to put you out there and then saw off the limb. Okay? God's going with you. Fear not, I'm with thee. Be not dismayed, I am thy God. I'll strengthen thee, I'll help thee, I'll uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Listen, we have a great God. That's all I'm trying to say tonight. He's above all, he's aware of all, he's able to do all. So when are we gonna start believing him? When are we gonna start trusting him? When are we gonna start living for him? Because you know what, one day we're gonna meet him. And you know what life is? Life is our opportunity to prepare to meet God. That's all it is. That's all it is. It's our opportunity to prepare to meet God. It might be a window of 95 years, It might be a window of nine years. But whatever window of time God gives us, it's our opportunity to prepare to meet this God who's above all, aware of all, and able to do all. I don't know about you, I like to meet him with confidence. I don't want to meet him ashamed. I want to love him, I want to serve him, I want to obey him, because he can do some amazing things. Thanks again for listening. 
If you would like to learn more about our church or how to get connected, check us out online at findnewlife.church or find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook under the handle Find New Life. Have an amazing day.